Good afternoon, and thank you for joining me. Again, my name is Chris Dyer, and I'll be your host for the next hour. In case you are turning in uh, for the first time to this show, the Talent Talk radio show features a wide range of guests who are uniquely talented and are, care about talent themselves. So on this show, we talk about talent in those two ways. First, as it relates to uh, success and uncovering the secrets of really talented people. And second, we also talk about talent in relation to human resources and how HR leaders and executives find the best candidates and top talent today. So hopefully you see how that works. The word talent has a couple different meanings in the business world, and this show really looks to explore those two areas. My guests commonly include CEOs, entrepreneurs, HR executives, recruiters, uh, from all different types of industries. And generally when I'm out at networking events or industry conferences, I have the privilege of meeting inspiring leaders all the time. So I created this forum to allow you to listen in on our dialogue and hopefully learn some practical advice that will impact your own career in a positive way. Before I get to my guest today, I want to thank those of you tuning in live. Don't forget, you can submit your questions via Twitter. Uh, just tweet uh, your questions to at peopleg2 right now and do the hashtag talent talk. My producer, Mike, will feed me the best questions and we'll try to work them into the show. Don't forget, you can also uh, listen to the show uh, via our podcast on iTunes or Android, as well as subscribe to have the weekly show sent to you. This week, we're proud to say we've topped the 16,000 listener mark on our podcast. Uh, so good deal of our audience actually tuned in after the fact, uh, and a smaller percentage are listening live. But whenever you're listening, we really appreciate your support and hope that you're continuing to, to learn something new every time. With that said, let me get today's show started. My guests today are Josh Ritchie, co-founder of Column 5 Media, and also uh, Devin Hornick, managing partner of Core One Technologies. Devin will be joining me live in studio uh, for the second half of the show, but uh, now let me get to my first guest who's on the phone. Uh, Josh, welcome to the show. Oh, thanks for having me. So Josh and I actually, uh, by uh, coincidence or serendipity or uh, his his bad luck, or whatever you want to frame it, uh, ended up next to each other on the airplane on the way to Washington, D.C. Uh, for the Inc. 5000 conference and immediately uh, felt a good connection to him. He seemed like a very smart guy, so I knew I wanted to have him on the show right away. So, Josh, maybe you can uh, tell us a little bit about yourself, your background, and, and what your company, and I think LinkedIn reminded me today this might be your six-year anniversary there at uh, Column 5 Media. Yeah, thank you for that nice intro. Um, yeah, as, as you mentioned, we, we did meet on a, on, a, on a plane on our way to the Inc. Conference. Column 5 is a creative agency. Another way of saying creative agency is a full-service digital agency. Um, we do everything from branding to uh, commercial video production for our clients, and our clients range from early-stage startups to Fortune 50 brands. So a lot of people you've heard of before and a lot of people you haven't heard of before. We, we got our start um, in 2006 or 2007. My partners and I started working together on what would come to be known as Column 5, but in 2009 we really kicked off officially the agency and uh, really started working early on with a lot of San Francisco-based startups. And over the years we've attracted some bigger name clients and uh, we're really excited to be able to work with all the people that we do get to work with on a daily on a daily basis and we're really blessed to be able to work on a number of different types of projects and campaigns for our clients. So um, that's a little high-level spiel on Column 5. Um, I personally am the creative director here at Column 5 in addition to being one of the founders. So my main objective here is to make sure that 
our team at large is working with our clients to, to get the best recommendations possible for whatever problems they're looking to us to solve. Before column five, I did the typical um, go travel the world as much as you can afford to after school. When I, when I ran out of money, I moved back home and was lucky enough to find my two business partners. Uh, they were in a similar situation to me and having just done a lot of traveling and I want to start something new and we started a company together and the rest was kind of history for us. So we've been doing it ever since. Uh, two guys I work with have known for about 15 years and we're, uh, we're, we're best friends before we're co-founders and kind of the high level. Kind of coming in here as a co-founder and starting up a new company, what were some of the challenges you faced when attempting uh, to do that? Yeah, so before I started Column 5 with my partners, I actually had a couple other businesses that didn't do so hot. One actually did okay enough to kind of supplement my income for the first year of having Column 5, but I think the biggest um, the biggest problem with starting out is just where do you find your first customers? I think that's something that everybody can relate to. We got really lucky um, in, in knowing some people early on that were able to kind of give us some work and Thankfully, I have two good partners, two very smart partners who are, who are much better than I am at networking, and we were able to kind of get a lot of referrals and and, and grow a lot faster than some of our um, some of our competitors in the early days. But I think just figuring out how to plan and figuring out how to how to make money and how to manage money is, is a really tough thing for a lot of founders, especially when you're first starting out and you're, you're actually trying to focus on doing the work as well. Yeah, I mean, uh, when you're trying to wear so many different hats and I think a lot of times people forget about how important cash flow can be. Um, and when you're, when you're a startup, that's, I mean, one day you have a few bucks and you usually spend it immediately, and then you're dying to look for the next bit of money, which, you know, is so important for to hold everything over for whether it's the building or technology or your people, payroll, all those different things. That's It can be a huge challenge. So uh, really kudos to you, for you guys for being able to make it through that uh, period. And then, you know, kind of ending up a few years later on the Inc. 5000 list of fastest-growing companies. Maybe you can talk a little bit about, you know, what you feel some of your keys to success were in reaching that milestone with really in a short period of time of starting your business. Yeah, so um, we're all pretty competitive individuals. We all grew up playing lots of different sports, and we have a saying amongst the three of us that we tend to break out whenever we feel like it's appropriate. But the saying is we always we thrive on a common enemy, and it's not like one enemy in particular, but it's our kind of attitude to competition at large. Mm-hmm. Um, and so that has always driven us, and we've always taken, well, at least more so in the early days when there was less strategy going into how we were growing. But we used to take a let's you know let's sell the, let's sell as much as we can and figure it out later. Uh, we had that kind of mentality from day one. And over the over the last five years or so, it's it's changed a bit our mentality on that front because you know we've we've had to kind of determine how we wanted to grow as a company and how we wanted to be sustainable and how we wanted to diversify. But I think in those first two years, you know, the three of us and, and our first few employees worked seventy plus hours a week, and we just had this mentality that we were going to win what we were doing and we were ready to sacrifice whatever we had to. To, to get some momentum going. So I think that was the key to our success initially. Um, I think beyond that, we had an idea very early on that we would co-brand all of our work that we did for our clients. And so pretty much everything that, that goes live that we ship out to clients and then help them distribute the various channels has our logo on it as well. And so that's that's been a huge marketing um, tactic of ours over the years, and it's resulted in 
just a ton of visibility. And so that those are two, I think, of the key things that we did early on that really jump-started our growth. In the last year or so, we, we've, like I mentioned, we've, we've taken a more strategic approach and more we've kind of looked for ways to, you know, make our growth more sustainable. And I think we're on a sense. And last year was a little bit of a slower year in terms of growth. But what we did is we, you know, we finally got our Salesforce PSA implementation. And we finally started setting up our finances in the correct way. And um, now I think we're in a position where we can, for a long time, experience some really substantial growth. That's wonderful. You know, one of the important things that we see within companies that are growing and, and, and continue to be successful, not just successful maybe at one particular point in their in their life of, of the company, but is really culture. And so I was kind of curious your thoughts on how important you see the alignment of culture in your company as being a driver to that success. As founders, we, we, we like it when when our team is looking for ways to help us create a better agency. You know, we like for people to be able to take constructive feedback. We like it when people have an earnest desire to really help our, our clients succeed. When those kinds of things are happening, you know, in, in our people, I think uh, not only will they be successful here at Column 5, but they will be contributing factors to our really building a, a successful culture here at Column 5 as well. So what does it take for someone to be successful then within the culture that you're you know, you're cultivating right now? I think the things that I just touched on, um, there, there are so many different things that... Uh, we're looking for our people to do it's you know you got to do great work you got to experiment often because that's the method by which we you know um, hope to innovate you have to be humble we have a motto here at column five it's one of our value statements uh be humble and then we we expand on that a bit by saying what that really means to column five is we can always improve and so we have this attitude at column five that no one here is perfect including the founders we can always improve and we can all always be challenged so Mm -hmm. Those are the kind of things that we look for in people, you know, the right attitude and the right aptitude. I know it's a bit cliched, but it's cliched because it's the truth. Yeah, well, you know, as leaders, we all have kind of individuals that have inspired us to maybe be better or, you know, even kind of model ourselves after. Can you think of one or two examples that you might identify on a, on a really a personal level where, you know, someone made a real impact on you and, and, and the kind of leader you are today? My grandfather, he was a real estate developer, kind of similar to the patriarch in Arrested Development, in a way, and he shared a lot with me when I was a little kid. I think my, my parents are inspiring their, their leaders in their own ways, and then I think that John Maxwell's books are must-reads for anybody that wants to be a leader. So that's, that's kind of my eclectic list of people that inspire me. I think that sometimes can then transfer uh, really well into our next question. I mean, you mentioned John Maxwell, and maybe that you might kind of list a specific book for us, but... Um, you know, is there a particular book you're reading right now that's, you know, kind of got your attention, that's, you know, impacting you in a, in a special way? Yeah, right now I tend to read books in, in uh, groupings. So right now I'm reading uh, Referral of a Lifetime, Creative Confidence, and then a book called Predictable Success. So they're all really different in terms of subject matter, but all three of them I think are, are great reads for anybody that's a leader or wants to be a leader. Mm-hmm. So do you feel like you're, you said you do them clumps, so is it kind of one of those things where you read a couple of books, get some great ideas and, and kind of inspiration, and then you allow yourself a bit of time to digest it and actually implement it before you move on to the next book? I like to refer to myself as a constant tinkerer. I'm constantly looking at ways to improve processes at work or improve the way that we communicate or just the way that we get feedback. I'm kind of ADD and anxious and always 
just looking for ways to improve things. So I, I tend to, when I soak something up that I, that I really like and I, it resonates with me, I, I like to try it out and see if it works before yeah. I sit on it and maybe have a chance to forget about it. So that's kind of how I am. I don't know if that's the best way to learn, but it's, it's the way that I've kind of, uh, structured things for myself. And it, it's, it's good because I get to see if this new thinking that I'm really excited about actually has practical application, mm-hmm. you know, like in real time. Yeah, I mean, it's a great way to do it. I, I know for me personally, if, if I, something really grabs my attention, then I have to make sure I don't start another book until I've had time to really implement the new thing within our company or within myself you know, as a person or whatever it may be. Uh, if I start another book and start getting inspired in some other way, then I kind of start to forget the other one before I've had time to really make it a part of my you know, process or our company's process or what have you. So I kind of find I'm like, you know, two, three books and then I'm, you know, nothing for a little bit and then two, three books and then nothing. So I have that time to, you know, make sure I follow through. Mm -hmm. Uh, But it sounds like if you're able to to keep that going, you don't need that up and down. That's certainly, uh, I don't know if that'll make you faster or not. Well, I guess we could, we could have a, you're competitive. So maybe we could, uh, we could have a race, so. <laughs> yeah, I think everybody everybody just has to figure out a way to make things work for themselves. My, my partners are different in the way that they, they tend to consume information, but, I mean, I, I'm, like, I'm always active, so, like, I I don't even read books anymore. I just do everything on Audible on my iPhone. Uh-huh. So, like, I just do every every book I ever Every book I've read in the last year has been on audiobook, and it's rad because I can I can go to the gym and I can go for a run or I can go take my dog for a walk and or I can take a drive and learn while I'm doing something else. So that's kind of the way I, I tend to do things. And the reason why I like to do two books or three books at a time is just because it allows me to have a bit of a bit of a sampling of different types of ideas. Yeah, I'd say anyone who doesn't have their book on Audible is really missing out because I, I know so many people that's almost the only way they ingest the books these days, mm-hmm. uh, just to grab. That extra time, they don't want to pick up the book or have it with them. They have their phone, so they can do it right there. What, what do you think that within your company you guys do to really cultivate the talent and, and keep talented individuals? Because that's sometimes a challenge for you know a company that's growing. You're asking people to work a lot of hours. You're asking them to wear a lot of hats and work really hard. So maybe what are some of the, the tricks or tips that you might have for people, and how do you keep them going and, and connected to your company? Yeah, that's great. That's a great question. Um, it's like that's like the million dollar question that I admittedly don't have answered yet. Um, but we've seen glimpses of of certain things that are really encouraging to us when we experiment with this idea. And what we've done, I think, pretty well early on, and we continue to do it as much as we can. Is we just give people a ton of chances to to prove themselves. I think when when someone comes into a startup, there's a lot of opportunity to take on a lot of responsibility, but as the company grows and as hierarchy becomes established, it's sometimes harder to, to make a name for yourself as like the go-to guy or girl at that organization that handles certain things. So we like to kind of throw new people um, into the deep end, so to speak, and see if they can swim. So it's not uncommon for me to give someone who's at Column 5 on their first day like a really, really important project to see if they can they can handle it. And a lot of times, we're really pleasantly surprised by how people step up to the opportunity. Obviously, sometimes people will um, not re- you know, not meet your expectations, and you'll have to figure out how to like course correct a bit, to, and, and you'll have to figure out where you need to train them. But um, I think when you give people a chance to prove themselves and, and give them a chance to really be fulfilled in the work that um, they're doing at your agency or at your, your brand, that's, I think, when you get people really engaged in the work that they're doing. 
So what do you think is the biggest challenge then prior to them starting you know, and actually getting them to come into the company? Mm-hmm. You know, sometimes people in the startup can't pay enough uh, or they, uh, you know, like I said, they're asking them to work a lot of hours. I mean, are, what would you guys do to kind of make sure you're engaging people in a, in a way that makes them want to look at your company? Yeah, I think you got to put your culture out there, and you have to have your culture be your your differentiator. For us, you know, we're we're very proud of our culture. We've built something that we think is really sustainable and really inclusive and just really positive. And we let that, you know, we wear that on our we wear that heart on our sleeve, so to speak. And we think that it's great when culture can get people excited about about what you're building because. These days, if you look at most of the studies out there about millennials, money is not the biggest determining factor on where they're going to work uh, or what kind of career they're going to have. It's, there's a lot more that goes into it now. So we think that if we can put our culture on display, um, we're, we're pretty proud of what we built. We're pretty confident in it. We think that that can be a big way for us to stand out in the crowd. Because you're right, like as, as a small company, you know, we're bootstrapped, so we've We've never taken a penny from anybody, and you know we find ourselves often competing with Google or Facebook for for top talent. And so, yeah, you got to be creative. Yeah, that's a challenge, uh, especially with, with, with those types of companies. Uh, you know, and speaking of being creative, you know, how do you then translate that into making sure that your staff are being creative? And you mentioned kind of allowing them those opportunities to take on big challenges or to continue to try and, and to give them chances to develop. When it comes down to, you know, maybe sitting in a room and, and, and coming up with that next idea, what are, what are some of the things that you do to really make that happen? That's a really great question. So um, Steve Jobs has a great quote, a great quote on, on uh, creativity. He basically defined creativity as connecting dots. So it's not, it's not the eureka moment of, you know, coming up with something it's wholly unique, you know, while you're in some lab or in some cave by yourself. But it's it's a matter of creativity is a matter of being able to like make connections between certain things. So what we try to do here at Column Five is create an environment where good ideas can come about and try to encourage our people and then we just hope that they can do the rest. You know, when you're in a brainstorm setting, it's important that you have someone in there that's facilitating, you know, that that is constructive with feedback and that's taking everybody else seriously and who's who's um, trying to get the best out of people. And then you also need to make sure that, you know, your, your team that's brainstorming or, or working on ideas is, you know, they're getting together in a place where they're not distracted and, you know, they need time to prepare and they need time to think and uh, you, you got to pick the right time. So, you know, sometimes late afternoon or early in the morning, those times aren't best as well. So there are just so many different factors that, that go into um how you can build an environment where creativity can flourish, but those are just some some high level uh, kind of things that we think about. And, and you know, I think it's important what you mentioned, especially at the beginning with the Steve Jobs quote. You know, that creativity is a is connecting the dots. Is a really cool video I saw today. It's one of those RSA type ones where the guy's drawing the hand. It's one of the really nice, well done ones, and it's a very similar idea. I mean, it was that basically connections. Getting together with people and and taking your part of an idea and connecting with their part of an idea is really the way, and our connected culture is the way for us to come up with the larger, bigger kind of eureka moment. It's not that, mm-hmm. like you said, sitting alone in a cave in or in the bathtub or in the shower and suddenly the idea comes to you. It's that kind of culmination of taking your these little bits and pieces of ideas and then working mm-hmm. through them with other people on their bits and pieces. Maybe in some ways that you, you did with the other co-founders in your company that... 
you know, the three of you may have had these bits and pieces that came together into a, really a formulated idea that then you could push forward as a as a real viable business. So yeah, I think I think you're right. And uh, there's another there's another saying that I love, and it's can't remember who said it, but it's uh, something something to the effect of the the first fifteen percent is the most important bit for good ideas that come forth in any type of setting. Um, it's really important that team has a clear directive, and so that's something we really try to spend a lot of time on with our team is just making sure that they they know what the ask is and and then from there you know we, we give them a lot of responsibility and a lot of trust and we give them guidance and support when we can and um, the, that kind of framework and structure tends to work out pretty well for us. Well Josh you've been a, a wonderful guest I want to make sure we ask you before we go here uh, how can people reach out if they're interested in learning more about your company? Yeah our uh, website address is column5media.com so that's column like the Roman column um, five spelled out F-I-V-E media.com Fantastic uh, you know we will have a recap of this up in a few weeks on our blog and uh, all the books that uh, Josh mentioned will have their listed as well so you don't have to worry about uh, writing it all down we really appreciate you being on the show. It was a pleasure meeting you uh, back on the plane, and it was a pleasure reconnecting with you now, and uh, maybe we'll have you come back uh, at some point and give us an update on how you're doing. Likewise. Thanks so much for having me. It was a pleasure. Okay. Devin Hornick is coming up next after this quick commercial break. When it comes to pioneers in their respective industries, we all know the Apples, Starbucks, and Trader Joe's of the world. In the realm of recruiting, Decision Toolbox is the industry's best-kept secret. With 90% of their business from referrals and repeat customers, for over 20 years, Decision Toolbox's U.S.-based team of recruiters, sourcers, professional writers, quality personnel, and tech support has perfected a Six Sigma approach to talent management. No matter the size of the project, Decision Toolbox delivers incredible results. A cost per hire less than half of what contingency firms charge. With the winning candidate presented in an average of 14 days. All with a 12-month candidate warranty. With results like that, Decision Toolbox won't be a secret for long. Visit us at www.dtoolbox.com for more information. Imagine what it would feel like to lose everything. Your job, your home, your family, your dignity. This has happened to thousands of the men, women, veterans, and young adults we serve at Working Wardrobes. What do we do to help? We provide career development services, life skills workshops, job skills training. We provide the perfect interview outfit, and we get clients placed in jobs. Call Working Wardrobes, 714-210-2460. Donate, volunteer, invest, hire. There's something uniquely positive about the word up. When things are good, things are looking up. When you want to go fast, you speed up. And when you're really cheering, you stand up. So when you want to move up, what do you do? Well, when it comes to getting your bachelor's degree or master's degree, there's one university that stacks up better than virtually everyone else. And that university is Brandman. Brandman University is ranked by U.S. News & World Report as one of the nation's top ten universities for online bachelor's programs. And it ranked best in the state of California. Brandman also received top honors from U.S. News and World Report for our online graduate programs in business and education. Plus, our programs are available on ground at more than 25 convenient campuses. So to wrap things up, we recommend you look us up at brandman.edu. That's brandman.edu. And find out how to move up like never before. 
Brandon University. Move up. My next guest is uh, Devin Hornick, managing partner at Core One Technologies. Don't forget, you can uh, tweet your questions live right now to Devin by sending them to at PeopleG2 using the hashtag TalentTalk. And for those of you that aren't listening live, don't forget, you can also subscribe to the podcast of this show and listen to past shows by visiting octalkradio.net and clicking on the Shows tab and, of course, clicking on Talent Talk. In the short time uh, this show's been going, or coming up, I think, on our year at some point here sometime this year we'll have our year anniversary it's getting close uh we've amassed a huge following and we really appreciate it so uh devin welcome to the show thanks for having me i really appreciate it so tell us a little bit about yourself and uh, of course your company core one technologies yeah thanks um well i've been in the industry seemingly forever uh, i graduated from usc in 1999 and since that time i i uh, kind of fell into the industry but i've been doing it for the last 15 years and seems to be all i really know so i hope i'm good at it and what does Core One Technologies do? Core One is uh, is a specialized IT uh, professional services firm. We we provide consulting services, uh, search recruitment, staff augmentation, all kinds of uh, all kinds of things like that. All specific to IT. Although we're just about to launch our non technical division as well, so we're super excited about that. And what will the non technical division do? That'll support accounting, finance, other professional services that that enjoy working with IT. Okay. I know you were recognized you know, many honors in the past few years, and I think you were 85th fastest growing company mm-hmm. in the country for IT services and 664th fastest. Boy, Mike, you really got the technical numbers down here. We yeah. got the real specifics <laughs> in the country. So congratulations on that. What do you think you're really doing to, to really contribute to your company's growth? Well, I think the experience factor is is really kind of what I bring to the table. Um, like I said, it's really, it seems to be all I really know, professionally speaking, and Sometimes I wonder, do I really know this business? And I, I realize I really know this business. And mm-hmm. so coming to Core One was uh, was a real opportunity for me to step up in a leadership role. Um, I'd been a leader in other organizations, but this was one that really required uh, some some years of experience to get this done. And you mentioned 664, fastest growing. We'd like to drive that number down, and we'd like to see us much lower in the next coming <laughs> years. And you know, but in far, as far as contribution, uh, just being collaborative, uh, being optimistic, being positive, and really keeping my eye on the ball, focusing is is key to to what we're doing right now. Mm-hmm. And what do you think really sets you apart, you know, from other companies in your market? Maybe cliche to say, but I think being you know as an organization, being fundamentally values driven, you know, integrity, honesty, authenticity, being genuine. Those are things that have clients and candidates come back. And, right. uh, you know, we don't just focus on people that we have jobs for. We focus on people in general. And uh, whether we have a job for you or not, we're going to spend time with you, getting to know you, getting to know your family, and really trying to understand what you're looking for in your career and, and uh, in life in general. You mentioned on your, your LinkedIn bio kind of having this huge mm-hmm. passion for HR-related work. What is it that kind of drives that passion for that, that specific area? You know, I just really enjoy HR. I think back in 2008, there weren't any jobs to be had. So instead of focusing on calling everybody in human resources and trying to scrape any jobs I could get my hands on, I focused on two years down the line. Right. I focused on 2010. You know, HR really has been a focal point of the infrastructure of organizations for a long time. I think underutilized, uh, perhaps underappreciated. These days, they're they're quite focused on they can be a revenue-producing agent. Um, 
I just enjoy them. I enjoy the centralization of HR. I think that uh, by nature, we're all trained to sort of go around human resources. Right. But I can I can sit here and tell you for a fact that they don't appreciate it. It's still successful to go around, but I typically try to follow those rules and I can make more friends being walked to the hiring manager I'm looking for rather than uh, trying to go around HR to get to that person. Right. Yeah. I mean, so many times we've had a great examples on this show, people talking about the successes in really working with and through HR instead of around and avoiding. I mean, that can really be a problem. And Absolutely. organizations that allow that type of uh, interaction to kind of cut out HR, ten, it may work once, but over time it really ends up eating away at the organization. There's a disconnect in the value system and the really being successful and, and, and bringing in all of the different goals or achieving those different goals mm-hmm. that HR is a part of helping the company achieve. Absolutely. You know, we just finished, uh, we just had the uh, National Human Resources Executive of the Year event uh, a couple weeks back, and it was proof. Uh, year over year, it just gets better and better, and, and the executives being honored, being recognized, and the words their CEOs had for them, uh, it, it's proof that they are making huge change in corporations right. here locally and, and nationally. We've really seen that big change over the last few years really with the role of HR becoming a much more dynamic role player in the strategic uh, role as opposed mm-hmm. to the transactional or kind of operational type role. So how important do you see that strategic component for HR being to a company? And and how does that really you know frame the culture of your own company? Yeah, it's a good question. Um, you know, as far as their role in their own organization, I think that ever since 2008, you know, we all experienced quite a few career troubles in terms of uh, job availability out there, and, and human resources put the pieces back together. Mm-hmm. They were the first ones to be um, to be asked to leave, and they were the first ones brought back uh, to help bring bring people back together. You know, bring the disenfranchised, bring the the uh, underappreciated employee that stuck around, and, and really right. creating a team. As far as our our own uh, organization, you know, I I think that. Uh, just having a good a good foundation for well, obviously you want to stay legal you want to you want to do things mm-hmm. the right way uh, focusing on on the delivery and focusing on process uh, those are all things that HR focuses on we focus on those same things at core one and I always had this theory and I don't really have any take the time to find specific data points to really prove it but it's almost like the big recession was a help to HR in in this way that people didn't realize everything they were doing. They didn't realize what the impact they had. It kind of almost started to take the department for granted and looked at them very transactionally. And as soon as they removed them, like you said, they were one of the first people that they stripped those departments down. They tried to keep sales as long as they could, but Mm -hmm. they really stripped down HR and people suddenly went, oh, why isn't this working? And why isn't that working? Why aren't our people working together? And why, you know, having this lawsuit or this problem or this Mm -hmm. complaint. And they suddenly realized, wow, what an impact HR was having. And so, like you said, when they started bringing them back, it, now they now they became a part of the conversation. Now Absolutely. it became strategic. And that may have been a blessing in disguise for HR in general. Uh, and hopefully they won't have to go through that again anytime soon. None of us will have to <laughs> with that kind of a recession. But I wanted to talk a little bit about culture. I mean, it's something we've, we've been focusing a lot on and it's something we've been getting a lot of conversations about and inquiries about and the things that we're doing in our company and the things that we're talking about here on the radio show. So it's really kind of been a big setting to really look at, you know, what you think your your company culture really is all about and what is it kind of fundamentally trying to capture that really is, you know, unique for your for your employees and, and unique for your clients too. 
Yeah, company culture is it's uh, anybody who's tried to build one knows that it's incredibly challenging to to not only create, but to create in the likeness of who we are as individuals and who we want to be mm-hmm. and who we want to be perceived as um, out there in the community. Uh, company culture can either tear a company down. And, and every day people call me and ask, you know, hey, what do you know about that that organization? I'm interested in a job over there. And if I don't have anything good to say about the culture, I'll typically be quiet. And, and if it's really positive, <laughs> I'll speak up. But uh, right. in, in our own company culture, Core One, I think it's gone through phases. It's gone through years of, of transformation. And currently, we're a culture of optimism. We're a culture of, of go-getters, um, combination of youth and experience, com- you know, go, working together towards towards the common goal of, of helping families and getting people back to work. The biggest challenge for us right now is that there are just too too many jobs for the, the amount of candidates that are out there, mm-hmm. uh, specifically in IT. But our culture is just one that we're gonna we're gonna stay the course and, and keep uh, keep collaborating and finding new new and inventive ways to to be uh, to be creative and, and get people out there working. And you mentioned something that was interesting that cu- culture has to come from us, you know, from whoever's in the leadership position mm-hmm. of the company and uh, it has to start there. It has to be something that feels right. We can all say, hey, we're going to wear this outfit. But if you put the outfit on, it doesn't fit right or doesn't look right. Or People can tell. Yeah, absolutely. You know, if you're wearing a size 44 regular when you should be wearing a 38 long, <laughs> you can tell, right? You just look, it looks wrong. And that's, I think, maybe not quite so transparent as that. But, I mean, at sure. some level, it's it, it's important for people to take to feel good about that culture and, and to be really kind of massaging it. But on the same end, it's really important to identify those values. So what do you do to effectively kind of communicate what the values are for your company to your employees so they can say, I get it, I'm going to run with this, or you know what, this isn't for me. Maybe I need to go somewhere else because this is not in line with where I'm at. Yeah, absolutely. I, I mean, I think that uh, we can say all all the great things we want about you know how, how who we are, what we want to be. I personally, along with my partners at the organization, you know, we just try to live it and we try to lead by example. We're a diverse group of personalities and our culture really is representative of that rather than kind of skating by. Everybody else is going to skate by if you're if you're doing that. Um, you know, we try to just lead by example. We encourage people. We empower them to try new things, mm-hmm. you know, think outside the box, take ownership over something. And, you know, a lot of times I think youth especially, uh, they want to be told what to do. The irony in that is that when you tell them what to do, they want to do it their own way. Right. So at our organization, we, we give them that, that opportunity to do so. We'll give them some ideas, but, you know, at the end of the day, if, if they're productive and if they're effective and efficient, then we're not going to argue with it. Tell them what to do, but give them the autonomy to go and do it Indeed. in a way they feel good about it. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So I'll give you my, this is my James Lipton, uh, inside the actor studio type question. So we'll see if how it goes, but, uh, how do you define success? Well, that's a good one. Uh, <laughs> success. You know, I, I think being in Orange County, I'm sure there are a lot of obvious answers there. There are, uh, cars and, and what model you're driving yeah, that's and, not success. and homes and all that sort of thing. Right. But I, I typically like to, to value success or at least to, you know, kind of look at success from, what we have as a whole and mm-hmm. me personally i'm really proud of my family and and you know the the modest life we live and and doing right by other people and you know being integrity driven in right doing what i say i'm going to do uh not having two faces and i i know my partners are the same way um while i might be a little bit more on the forefront in terms of the, the organizations i'm involved in as they relate directly to ethics and integrity um, each of our partners at the firm operate way above board 
I mean, mm-hmm. there is, and I don't think I could be a part of an organization, nor nor could they, and it didn't. So success, uh, success is the, the just how we how we carry ourselves and and the authentic the authentic self that we carry ourselves with. Right. One of the things that we notice about uh, successful people is they tend to be reading something, whether it's <laughs> the the words or listening or, and it could be books, it could be blogs, it could you know it, it really runs the gamut, and sometimes it's you know, what we would think about it in related to business books and things like that. And sometimes it's an escape. It's nonfiction. It's, you know, mm-hmm. comics. It's, you know, whatever. So I'm curious to maybe what you're reading right now and, and how that's impacting you. you know, I thought you might ask me that. And that's, that's kind of a, that's a common question on, on a lot of shows. And what are you reading right now? And, and I thought to myself, I have no time to read anything fun anyway. And, uh, but I, I, I do read, I read staffing industry news, uh, some, mm-hmm. some really, you know, in my world, interesting publications like Work, Workforce Weekly. Personally speaking, I really enjoy nonfiction books. Um, my last one I read was uh, West of Jesus by Stephen Kotler. Mm-hmm. Science, surfing, life in general, uh, travels. Really enjoy traveling, but but at nighttime, I find myself reading things more like uh, The Giving Tree with my kids or right. or uh, Cat in the Hat, something like that. They're, they're <laughs> young, four and six, and they're just learning to read. So I right. we focus on those books. Lots of uh, Sam I Am. And, <laughs> yeah. yeah. <laughs> Well, kind of just based on, on your personality so far, you probably would really enjoy a book called Give and Take by Adam Grant. It's all about how people are kind of these givers or matchers or takers. And then you, you, you kind of come off to me as a giver. And so That's there's right. some great, great strategies on there on how to be a giver and be successful without getting walked on, without getting having someone take advantage. That is tough. Uh, which is tough. And yeah. I, I found some of those strategies to be almost like just revolution. It was like, you know, finally... I found the code, right? Mm-hmm. How do you how do you give to these people who you want to give to, but then every once in a while someone sneaks in who wants to take advantage, and how do you deal with that? And yeah, that that's definitely tough. I mean, on that point of the book, you know, giving first is something I I prefer to do. I'd mm-hmm. rather receive second, and sometimes receiving is a, is a tough thing for people to do. But as an organization, we give first. We enjoy speaking with everyone. So, but uh, you definitely need to find ways to be able to give and receive. It should be a reciprocal community, which I think Orange County is at this mm-hmm. point, and especially after the downturn. Right. Uh, everybody has helped everyone. It's taken, you know, it takes a village, as they say, mm-hmm. both in parenting and in and in life. Yeah. You know, what advice might you have for our listeners looking to de- develop the talent that they currently have? You know, how do they get the best out of each person? Yeah, I, I mean, there are a lot of books, you know, self-help books out there that, that talk about, you know, improving things you're not good with. Um, I tend to think that we should focus on the things that we are talented in. Mm-hmm. You know, uh, things that I'm not good at, uh, obviously, some of them I need to improve on just for business, but other things might just be a waste of my time in this very short life. Uh, I like to focus on on uh, things that, that can add value, and, and I would recommend to anyone just to take your talents, and whether you need someone else to help show you those talents mm-hmm. or whether they're quite obvious to you, I would focus my efforts on those things. You can add a whole lot more value to life and to the world, you know, doing what you're good doing. Right. Well, I mean, you're, you're, I think you're dead on with what we've talked about here before in past shows and what our other guests have talked about, which is maybe you work on some things like things that related to your personal relationships, your marriage, your friends, right? There might be characteristics, things that you can, you can do a better job, right? To make things better. I'm sure my wife would agree with you. Yeah. Well, what, what wife wouldn't, right? Mm-hmm. <laughs> but, but when it comes to business, I think you're right. Focus on your talents. Focus on the things you're good at. And there are other people who will do the things you're terrible at, right? I mean, there are sure. who, who love doing it. Strength Finders is a wonderful resource, a good book, and a great website to help people identify. You know, it's like 10 bucks. You can kind of get your top five strengths and 
you know, really gives you a good, pretty good idea about where you should be, you know, what's, what's your sweet spot? Where should you really be hanging out when it comes to tasks and, and different things, uh, and where you should be avoiding, you know? <laughs> yeah. It's been years since I've read that book, but I, the one that comes to mind out of that was woo. The W O O. Okay, you're at the Woo. Uh-huh. Yeah. All my best salespeople have Woo. Do they? Mm-hmm. <laughs> yep, because they don't mind going up and just starting a conversation with someone they've never met. Our, our radio guy here who runs our studio, Paul Roberts, is probably Woo times a hundred. I think he walks around the the city just meeting people just to do it. So sure. Yeah, I mean it's it, it's a great characteristic to have. Yeah, Woo Woo people gain energy with other people, and and uh, the irony in, in in my Woo feature was that large groups and people in general uh, kind of made me nervous, you know. Mm-hmm. And so I kind of had to overcome it by by sort of facing it head on and and, right. and putting myself in situations that were awkward and uncomfortable. Yeah, yeah, I had the same thing with m- mid sized groups. I love like one on one, one on two, and I love big groups talking to huge groups. But sure. that like one on twelve, one on fifteen, where you got to kind of how do you keep eye contact? But then again, you're not really the one running the group. Like you're in a kind of mixed setting. Yeah, is what always bothers well, me. Well, you're doing pretty well with one on seventeen thousand. You're 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 in right. front of all your listeners. Right, right. I'm happy with that. That feels comfortable. <laughs> it feels good, right? You yeah. know. But yeah, because you you can't you don't have to worry about eye contact and about making a connection at. By a huge group. You just can't. You have to do something different. Absolutely. But yeah, one on 12, it's like, uh, what do, what I, do you say? What do I say? Who do I look at? <laughs> who do I, eh, eh. But yeah, we all work on those things, I guess. <laughs> so, you know, maybe you could talk a little bit about your creative process. Um, sounds like you have a pretty open culture. You're pretty, mm-hmm. uh, willing to let, probably let people come up with ideas, but really, how do you brainstorm effectively within your environment now? You know, we've got a group of, of dynamic personalities here at Core One. Um, you know, our CEO, Brian Hunt, he's, he's a great mind and he, he comes up with just an incredible amount of great ideas. And, and, uh, one of the other founding partners, Steve Quarles, another just innovator, visionary, and, uh, they help us, you know, we're focusing a lot on uh, some of us managing partners are really focused on the growth of the business in terms of the everyday. And oftentimes it's, it's difficult to really sit down and take, you know, a day or even half a day to, to collaborate and really brainstorm. Mm-hmm. Thankfully, those, those two are really doing a lot of that for us and they, they bring us all into the fold and we can elaborate and really expand on those ideas. Now I know I'm always thinking of new things. So, and I think everybody else in our company is as well. So I, I try to bring those, those good ideas to the table and I'll, I'll leave the other ones behind. So, but as a creative process, we get together as a group probably once a month, um, talk about things in the conference room, whiteboard, have takeaways, you know, little little homework here and there to, to come back with some new ideas and continue to develop uh, the ideas that we started. Obviously, it's good to plan. You know, mm-hmm. you want to plan your year out. You want to plan strategies around around certain uh, approaches to different companies and, and uh, different industries. So it's it's important to collaborate. It's important to have a creative process, but I think it's also important to really have leaders at the top, you know, whether it be me or one of my other partners or you know, the two founding partners, it's these guys, just all, all of us together can create far better ideas than any one of us by ourselves. Right. But others, anything specific you maybe you do to make sure that when people show up into that room once a month, that they feel an openness, they mm-hmm. feel, you know, like it's okay to maybe say something really stupid that maybe has a 1% chance of being the best idea ever. But, you know, yeah. that kind of, you know, because sometimes you can you could brainstorm on what's obvious. You can brainstorm on sure. what's uh, what's allowed and what's safe. But how do you get past that? I mean, I think, I think it's being comfortable in your culture, as you kind of just pointed out. Uh, 
a lot of times I mean, I've been part of Fortune 500 companies. I've been part of boutiques, startup firms, and and in in any size organization, there's the the youthful group, and then there's the senior leadership group, and um, oftentimes the youthful group they don't really want to speak up. They're afraid to to sound stupid, and then maybe not get another opportunity. But I think at our company, and, and as I think most organizations at least try to create some uh, ability or availability to do this, but you know the the younger folks in our, our organization have fantastic ideas. In fact, one of my senior recruiters, we have to sort of pare down her ideas. We could be in there forever using up all the <laughs> ink on the board. But uh, as, as a group, I think it's just important to listen to everyone. I mean, mm-hmm. sure, our experience produces a lot of great questions, maybe a lot of great statements. But there are things that we just won't think about after years of experience. Maybe we're, we're shut off to it. The people who are coming into it clean and, and uh, fresh or far more green in terms of industry experience, they may just have a fresh idea that we hadn't thought of over the last 15 years. Right. Is there someone you uh, maybe, if you look back, maybe had a really impactful or kind of monumental influence on you as, as who you are today and the, and the leadership and, and, and way that you've described yourself and kind of having integrity and, you know, having that single face and, and doing what, you know, saying what, do, what you're going to say and, Say what you're going to do. The kind of that whole thing that you've talked about today. Is there anyone kind of in your past that you really feel like impacted you? Absolutely. I mean, I think that fundamentally, my parents instilled a, a great value system, right and wrong. Um, but I don't necessarily attribute who I am at this moment in terms of who I am as a professional in the community and even as a father to my parents necessarily. I'd say that uh, I transformed over the last eight years. Um, you know, I think a lot of men sort of transform at the age of thirty. It's, it's sort of an age where we, we come into our own, we're comfortable in ourselves. and We finally grow uh, up, you mean? Absolutely. Well, you know, for, for women, it's a little younger. For men, it's, right. it's quite a bit older. Some of us at 30 on the on the low end and maybe even you know, 40, 50, 60 on the high yeah, end. Right, right. But, um, but I know for, for me, my wife has been an incredibly inspirational. I, I wrote an article about a year ago contributing to the OC Metro, and it was the most inspirational person in my life to this point. And you know, my dad's long gone, but but my wife has been there every day, and she supports me in those tough times, She the ups and downs. She trusts me, and she's probably the most moral person I know, and she's really pushes me to, you know, sometimes, no matter how integrity-driven we are, sometimes the easier thing is, is the wrong thing to do, mm-hmm. and she really... She calls me out, and I and I listen to her, and uh, she teaches our children the same thing, and and I do too. So she she above anyone else has been incredibly uh, influential in my life, and really the biggest blessing I've had in the last uh, many 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 years. Oh, that's great. Uh, you know, we're we're at the end here of our conversation. And I really appreciate you being here today. Uh, before we go. Let us know how can we get hold of Core One Technologies if yeah, people want to learn thank more. You. Yeah, you can check out the website. We're about to launch a new one, so you know, give us a couple of weeks. We should have something new on there. But but our current site's really great, and uh, it offers opportunities for for jobs. And you can go to k o r e one dot com, and you can email me as well. Just my first name at Core One D E V I N at k o r e numeral one dot com. So again, thank you so much for being our guest today. Thanks, Chris. It was a pleasure having you. Hopefully sure. we'll have you come back one day and uh, give us an update on how your company's doing and it, whether or not you went up or up or down on that 664 number, right? Like to cut and, that in half. Cut that in half. Or <laughs> that or we'll need, to, we'll need to clone you, right? Yeah. So Thanks for having me. Really appreciate it. So that's about all the time we have today. Thank you again to my special guests, Josh Ritchie and Devin Hornick. Tune in next week at the same time, 1 p.m. Pacific Standard Time for Talent Talk, brought to you by People G2 to hear uh, from our Two leaders from Golden State Foods, Steve Becker, Senior VP of HR, and Herb Callahan, Corporate 
uh, leadership uh, development director. We're going to have them in at the same time, kind of mix it up a little bit, do something a little different, and, and get their perspectives together on what they're doing over there, Golden State Foods. So until then, do what you love and show the world how talented you can be today. You've been listening to Talent Talk Radio Show brought to you by People G2, a company founded specifically to help clients with their people-related decisions.